all Israel knew was the bondage that they had been birthed into. And they lived among the Egyptians who worshiped death. And God uses death upon a nation that worshiped death to set the children of Israel free. And likewise, we understand that God used death, the death of his own son, there upon the cross, his death, burial, and resurrection, the Lord Jesus' ascension into heaven, that we might be set free. You're looking too far for that need you have inside. You're on a big merry-go-round, and it's taking you for a ride. Welcome to the Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. So Exodus chapters 11 and 12, we're coming to that final plague, the 10 plagues that God sent to Egypt in order that the Egyptians would force Israel out of their land and to take the very hard heart of Pharaoh that he would plea with Moses and Aaron to take their people out. That will happen in our study tonight. But chapter 11, it's only 10 verses long. We'll spend most of our time in chapter 12. And it's kind of setting us up for these things. We closed out last week with Pharaoh saying to Moses and Moses responding to him in chapter 10, verses 28 and 29. Then Pharaoh said to him, get away from me. Take heed to yourself and see my face no more. For in the day that you see my face, you will surely die. And Moses said, you have well spoken. I will never see your face again. And then we have almost this parentheses in the first few verses of chapter 11. And we find that Moses is still talking to Pharaoh. So either they said this, you know, get away from me. You'll never see my face. You're going to die if you see me again. Moses saying, you've spoken well. I'll never see your face again. Either uh, they made up a little bit and they did get into each other's presence. One commentator feels that Moses never left at the end of chapter 9. And we need to remind ourselves, chapter 10 I should say, but we need to remind ourselves that the Bible wasn't written with chapter breaks or verse breaks. So it was continuous account being laid out before us. But there is a little shift as we begin chapter 11 where the Lord speaks to Moses and said in verses 1 through 3, 
I will bring one more plague on Pharaoh and on Egypt, and afterwards he will let you go from here. And when he lets you go, he will surely drive you out of here altogether. And so the Lord bringing one final plague upon the nation of Egypt, and yet before the plague came, Israel was to ask of their Egyptian neighbors, verses 2 and 3, they were to ask for articles of silver and articles of gold. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt and in the sight of Pharaoh's servants and in the sight of the people. So God, again, confirms a promise that he had made to Moses before he ever came down to Egypt the second time. Remember, he was born and raised in Egypt from, you know, from birth to 40 years old, but then he was gone for 40 years. And before he returned, there on the mountain of God at Mount Horeb, there at the burning bush, the Lord had said to Moses before he ever returned to Egypt the second time, in Exodus three nineteen through 21, the Lord had said to him, I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And it shall be that when you go, that you shall not go empty handed. But every woman shall ask of her neighbor, namely of her who dwells near her house, articles of silver, articles of gold, clothing, and you shall put them on your sons and on your daughters. So you shall plunder Egypt. And now that plundering begins to happen as the children of Israel went out and to request, not borrow, just asking, hey, you got some silver and gold you can loan me? They didn't say that. Do you have some silver and gold that you can give us? And we find that Moses now becoming great in the land, although Pharaoh couldn't stand Moses because of the trouble he was causing him. Both the Egyptians and the Israelites recognized Moses. He became great in their sight. And so Pharaoh's hold on the people of Israel and even on his own people was quickly crumbling. He found that he was coming to this place where even his own advisors said that Egypt would be no more if he did not let the children of Israel go. And this was before the 10th plague would take place. And so now Moses, speaking in the sight of Pharaoh, whether he left and they did see one another again, or he was still there and the Lord just gave Moses instruction that he gave to the children of Israel. But here in verses 4 through Eight, he's speaking in the presence of Pharaoh and telling him what the Lord is going to do. Then Moses said, thus says the Lord, about midnight, I will go out into the midst of Egypt and all the firstborn of the land of Egypt shall die from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on his throne and even to the firstborn of the female servants who is behind the handmill and all the firstborn of the animals. Then there shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, which as was not like it before, nor shall it ever be again. But against none of the children of Israel shall a dog move its tongue against man or beast, that you may know that the Lord does make a difference between the Egyptians and Israel. 
And all these your servants shall come down to me and bow down to me, saying, Get out, and all the people who follow you. And after that, I will go out. And he, then he went out from Pharaoh in great anger. Once again, Moses, in the sight of Pharaoh, he said, That you may know. Remember at the very beginning, when Moses came to Pharaoh and Moses said to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go. Moses responding, Who is the Lord and why should I obey his command? And so these ten plagues had come upon their nation that Egypt might know, but I would also say that Israel might know. Israel had been praying for God to deliver them, but they had not seen the mighty power of the God that they prayed to until he came and sent these plagues upon the nation of Israel. So God was preparing his own people through the mighty miracles that they would know that the Lord God of Israel was God who created the heavens and the earth. And so Moses and Aaron, they faithfully spoke God's word before all the people, before the Egyptians, before Pharaoh. And they told of God coming that night in the midst of Egypt, causing the death of all their firstborn. No one in the land of Egypt would be exempt from Pharaoh's firstborn son to the firstborn of his female servants, of their animals even. And the number of dead would be so great that there would be a great outcry heard throughout the land of Egypt that night. And yet God made distinction between Egypt and Israel, between the unbelievers and the believers. And he said in Israel, a dog wouldn't even wag his tongue, his tail we might say too. No firstborn in Israel would die. And we'll discover why they did not die when we get to chapter 12. So after that night, Pharaoh's servants would bow before Moses. They already thought him a great man. But after this night, they would know that the power of God was working through him. And they would beg him to get out of the land and all those who followed him, that they would leave their land. The Bible tells us in Hebrews eleven twenty-seven: by faith, Moses forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Forty years earlier, the Bible tells us that Moses did fear the wrath of the Pharaoh. Remember, 40 years earlier, Moses knew that the Lord had called him to deliver the children of Israel, and he attempted to deliver them by killing one Egyptian. After he killed the Egyptian, he buried him in the sand. The very next day, he saw two Israeli brothers fighting with one another, and he tried to stop them from fighting. And they said to Moses, who made you ruler and judge over us? And then he learned that Pharaoh knew that he had killed an Egyptian, and he ran for his life. But he's not running any longer. Now it's 40 years later. So what's the difference how could he, as Hebrews eleven twenty seven says, not fearing the wrath of the king? What made the difference? It was the relationship that God had with him in his life. Again, Hebrews eleven twenty seven tells us, For he endured as seeing him who is invisible. He was no longer concerned of Pharaoh because he had his eyes upon God. He was looking to the one that he could not physically see, 
but he knew personally as the God who had called him to this great ministry. Forty years later, Moses stood courageously before Pharaoh because he understood that he was walking in obedience to the call of God upon his life. And we could say that very same thing about his brother Aaron as well, because the Bible does speak about both these men here in verses 9 and 10, where it says, But the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh will not heed you, so that my wonders may be multiplied in the land of Egypt. So Moses and Aaron did all the wonders before Pharaoh, and the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. He did not let the children of Israel go out of his land. So at the burning bush, God had told Moses that Pharaoh would not heed his voice. It was not. It shouldn't have been a surprise to Moses. The reason God did not allow Pharaoh to immediately let the people go, I mean, God could have done it. But he wanted to show himself strong in behalf of the nation of Israel and there in the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh's heart remained hardened. So hard that it seemed that it would never change. But God can move those hardened hearts. As in Exodus 3, 19 and 20, when Moses there at the burning bush on the mountain of God, there at Mount Horeb, the Lord said to Moses, But I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go, no, not even by a mighty hand. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in its midst. And after that, he will let you go. But there's even more than to this than just what happened, the exchange that happened between God and Moses on Mount Horeb there at the burning bush. Because over 400 years earlier, well, more than 400 years earlier, I should say, I was thinking of Abraham where God had promised that Israel would be in a land that was not their own for a period of 400 years that they would plunder. This was a promise that God made to Father Abraham about 600 years earlier. They had been in the land for 400 years now. All Israel knew, and think about this, all Israel knew was the bondage that they had been birthed into. It had long been gone the time when the Egyptians praised the Israeli savior Joseph, who had saved their people from starvation during the Great Famine. Years had went by since that had happened, and for years they had been slaves in the land of Egypt. And they lived among the Egyptians who worshipped death. Osiris was the chief god, one of the chief gods of Egypt. And the Egyptians recognized Osiris as Lord and Judge of the Dead, one of the most popular, and according to what I'm reading here, which is a list that I've been looking at as we've been going through the Exodus the name of this list is the Egyptian gods, the complete list. I don't know if they'll find any more, but there's quite a few on this list. And this is what they had to say about it. The Egyptians recognized Osiris as the Lord and judge of the dead, one of the most popular and enduring gods of Egypt. His name meant powerful or mighty. 
But Osiris was no match for the Lord God of Israel who created the heavens and the earth. And God uses death upon a nation that worshiped death to set the children of Israel free. And likewise, we understand that God used death, the death of his own son, there upon the cross. His death, burial, and resurrection, the Lord Jesus' ascension into heaven, that we might be set free. We also learn that Moses went out from Pharaoh in great anger. And it's interesting, considering that Moses described himself like this in Numbers 12.3. Moses, if you were to describe yourself in just a, a sentence, how would you describe yourself? If you wanted to be remembered, if it was going to be your epitaph on the gravestone, Romans 12.3, the King James Version. Now the man Moses was very meek, above all men which were upon the face of the earth. Moses, a very meek man, he said so of himself, as he is the one who authored the book of Numbers. But here it doesn't seem that Moses is that meek as he went out in anger from the presence of Pharaoh. We need to understand that one can be angry without sin. Often we associate anger with sin, but one can be angry without sin, yet unchecked anger can lead to sin. And too often we get angry and we give place to the devil because we don't deal with the situation, we give place to the devil, and then it becomes sin to us. We are the ones, as Paul warns us in Ephesians 4, 26 and 27, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. And we often let the sun go down on our wrath. And we often give place to the devil. Therefore, we end up sinning in our anger. But we can have a righteous anger. And especially when we stand upon the truths of God's word. And finally, God allowed Israel to plunder Egypt as a payment for 400 years of slavery to provide for them until they came into the promised land. This promise he gave to Abraham in Genesis 15, 13, and 14. God speaking to Abram saying, Know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in the land that is not theirs. They will serve them. They will afflict them 400 years, but also the nation whom they serve I will judge. Afterwards they shall come out with great possessions. God spoke that word to Abram some 600 years before Israel would ever exit Egypt and take this great plunder. So God provided for Israel with material wealth. I think God also provided Israel with physical strength, all that heavy labor that they, the bondage that they served under made them strong, molded them into a strong nation. A people who then was led by a strong leader who trusted in God Almighty. So that brings us to chapter 12, the Lord's Passover. I titled this whole study, uh, The Lord's Passover, and we pull that title right from the verses of chapter 12, where we discover that 
God institutes before the death angel comes. And, you know, technically, uh, the Lord refers to the destroyer, not the death angel. I think I've become accustomed to saying it that way. But here in Exodus and also in Hebrews, it uses the word the destroyer. So I'm going to try to stick with that. It's always safe to stick with the word of God and not add to or take away. But before that destroyer would come upon the land of Egypt, God instituted the Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread for their people. And uh, he was going to teach them to commemorate this great night by the Passover lamb. And so we discover in chapter 12 that Moses and Aaron uh, give instructions concerning the Passover in verses 1 through 28. The 10th plague comes upon Egypt in verses 29 through 30. Israel's exodus takes place in verses 31 and 42, although we'll read more about the exodus as we continue on. And he reiterates a few of the Passover regulations, picks up a few more points in verses 43 through 51. So the Bible tells us verses 1 through 5. Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be your beginning of months, and it shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying on the tenth day of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father, a lamb for the household. And if the household is too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next door, I threw the door in there, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to his number of persons, according to each man's need, that you may make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it from the sheep or from the goats. And so here it is, the month of Nisan. And on the 10th day, they were to take a lamb, to set aside a lamb, a lamb for every household. If the household was too small, and how did you judge if a household was too small or not? Well, Lily and I, and uh, if we had our son and daughter and their families all together, we probably, I doubt if we could all consume a lamb. It would have to be a small lamb. And so you judged it by the size of the lamb. You know, how much lamb do you get? About eight ounces of lamb meat for each person. Maybe a good judge on that. Some of the guys may be wanting 16 ounces. But the idea, they were to consume the whole animal in one night and not leave anything remaining in the morning. And so that judged it, a lamb for every household or households as they might combine together, the smaller households. But also the lamb was to be a male. He was to be without blemish. He was to be of the first year, and they could take this lamb from either the lamb or a goat, and this animal coming from either a lamb or a goat. And so Jesus, they took a lamb that was a year old, Jesus, I would say, in the prime of his life, without spot, without blemish, 
1 Peter 1, 18 and 19, the Bible tells us that we were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by the traditions of your fathers. So you don't become redeemed by purchasing your salvation, by keeping the traditions of your fathers, your forefathers. Well, I'm a Christian. My mom and dad were Christians and my grandparents were Christians, so I guess I'm a Christian too. You're not redeemed by those things. We are redeemed when we receive by faith Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We are redeemed, 1 Peter 1, 19, by the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without spot or blemish. Father, we thank you for this evening, for your word. Exodus chapter 12, Lord, what an important chapter in the Bible explaining so much detail regarding the Passover lamb, which, Lord Jesus, you came in fulfillment of the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I pray, Lord, as believers, we would teach these things to our children. And, Lord, if you should tarry, that they, in turn, would teach them to their children, just as faith has been passed on to us. Help us to pass it on to others. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today.